0: Good evening, Island Church. It's Thursday night, May the 14th, and we're continuing our study on sanctification. Also, welcome anyone else that may be joining us and and, uh, receiving these teachings. I trust they will be a blessing to you. Uh, In studying the subject, I wanted to find an illustration in the Word of God that could illustrate uh, a manifestation of sanctification that which we're talking about that shows us how it actually works. And literally, in the book of Acts, there is a tremendous example. I I really enjoyed studying it out and looking at it. But I want to read here in Acts chapter 19 and show you how the powerful work of sanctification, how it works uh, in a person's life. Uh, It can even work in a community. It can work in a nation. It can work in a city. Uh, How when God begins to move, uh, there is just something about Uh, The righteousness and the holiness of God uh, that makes the people who become his children want to get away from anything that is of darkness, anything that is of filth, anything that is of immorality, and to uh, cling to God and to come to God. Acts chapter 19 verse 1 says, It came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. Ephesus is there in the, the nation of Turkey. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. So obviously there had been people from that region or that area who had uh, been down to the meetings where John was conducting uh, water baptism for the forgiveness of sin and, uh, or there were people that had been uh, picked up that message and carried it into that region. Either one of those two ways, the message of repentance, not repentance, but forgiveness of sin through baptism and then repentance from your sin uh, came out of the ministry of John the Baptist. And uh, uh, so The Apostle Paul says, Then said Paul, uh, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, That they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I know that there's a controversy there. Say, Well, Pastor Rusty, were they baptized in water or were they just born again? Well, here's the thing. If they were just baptized in water, it would not have done them any good. Uh, They were baptized in water under John's baptism to repentance. But remember, baptism into the body of Christ, which is salvation, the new birth, being born again, that is for the remittance, the eradication of sin, all the sin you've ever committed, past, present, and future. And it also eradicates the motivation to sin, which is iniquity, which was your spiritual trait while you were in the world system, while you were in Adam's family then it says this it says then Paul said verily John baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus so let's just say it like this they got born again they got water baptized It says, then, and Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied, just like in Acts chapter 10, just like in Acts chapter 2, that which is insinuated there in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 8, people being baptized, this endowment of power, and the evidence of that endowment of power is the ability to speak in a language in which you've not learned intellectually. That's a subject we'll cover later on. It says, uh, And all the men and women were about twelve, and he went into the synagogues and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. It says, But when divers were hardened, and believed not, but spake evil of that way, before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius." So a Bible school kind of started there, and they begin to to, uh, teach people the word of God. Now notice this, verse 19. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, that's the thing that Paul wanted to do uh, way back there in, 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 in previous chapters back. Paul wanted to go to Asia, but the Holy Ghost forbid him. It wasn't time yet. But when he came to Ephesus and this great move of God started... Started, people started to get uh, saved, and they started to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And also, I, I believe they were water baptized. Now, down to verse 18 says, And many that believe came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many also of them that used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all the men. And they counted the price of them and found it, 50,000 pieces of silver, about $3 million dollars. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now, listen, this is a mass act of sanctification. Uh, these people, if you study Ephesus, Ephesus was in a, a tremendously immoral place. There were, there were, uh, um, temples to the goddess Diana who was a fertility god, all kinds of sexual filth and perversion went on, and the city literally had been built up by this perverse lifestyle that everybody lived. Then here comes the Apostle Paul with a glorious message of the Lord Jesus Christ. People begin to get born again. They begin to get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. They were water baptized, and then all of a sudden, sanctification began to take place, and automatically people knew it's not right to practice these curious arts. It's not right to have these books on the occult. It's not right to have our Ouija boards and, and, and look at our uh, astrological forecasts and all these. They figure that out just by the Spirit of God that was on the inside of them and the work of the sanctification of God that comes from the inside out based on your righteousness or the right standing that you have with God. Now, if you look down into the chapter a little bit, Uh, It talks about uh, a a man, Demetrius, uh, verse 24. For a certain man named Demetrius, he was a a silversmith, and he made silver uh, shrines uh, for the goddess Diana. So all these people could take uh, little emblems of their god everywhere they went. They prayed to it. They did obstinance to it. uh, No telling what else they did with these these little uh, statues around. But what's amazing is is that all the different crafts, so obviously many other crafts that fed into the silversmiths that made an enormous amount of money making these little statues of the goddess Diana, guess what? They began to go bankrupt. Nobody was buying their statues anymore. Nobody was buying the books on the occult. Nobody was being involved in all of the, uh, all of the different uh, sin and sin practices of the temples there. Now, God was doing a tremendous work of sanctification in that entire city of Ephesus. He was setting, he was, he was setting apart a people holy unto himself. Listen, that is the work of sanctification in a local church. God sets apart A people unto himself for the work of the ministry, for missions, for all that God desires to do in that local church in that area, to to, to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and broadcast it out, and then to do our part to send it into the world. It's amazing. You know, in this day and hour in which we live, it seems on the surface the enemy has thwarted that mission. Right now, it's very difficult for for our field ministers to travel and get meetings. Many of the states are still shut down. I'm in contact with many of the churches uh, that have not even started up yet, even some here in Texas, because the cities they live in are so liberal uh, that the city ordinances are stopping them from being able to open their churches. But listen, what the enemy means for harm, God is going to turn to good. I believe there is a work of sanctification going on in the churches right now. People are figuring out what is holy, what is unholy. Listen, if you want to live like the devil, if you want to live like the world, if you want to live in sin, it's going to be hard for you to do that because it's going to classify you with a group of people that are going opposite from the stream or the flow of that which God is doing. This is a day, this is an hour in which we must make a decision to serve God and get rid of all the little petty, the Bible calls it, in Hebrews chapter 12, weights. Uh, Things in our life, uh, some of them may seem to have uh, religious significance, but they're based in tradition or, or some type of old dead religion. Listen, we've got to get rid of all the vice out of our life. We've got to get all the things that are unclean and unrighteous and we need to live sanctified and holy lives. I like the testimonies of many of the, uh, many of the revivals that went on. The New Hebrides revival, the Welsh revival especially. Uh, there was a great uh, 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 problem with alcoholism. Men would sit in the pubs and the bars for hours at a time, drink away their paychecks, abuse their wives, do all kinds of things that were just terrible. But here came this revival and God began to move in a powerful way. There were powerful manifestations of, of the grace and the goodness and the anointing of God. And, and those that witnessed that revival said that even in the pubs, men would pour their pour their ale and their beer into glasses and try to get the glass into their mouth, and their hands would begin to shake. And they would come into the conviction and literally conviction of God and literally run to the churches and give their hearts to the Lord. And many of the pubs and bars of that area closed down because of the move of God. Listen, that's why we're exhorting people. Come to prayer. Come to church. You say, well, we're not some big mega church. Listen, I believe the day of the mega church is over with. How are mega churches going to come back and do what they were doing with masses of people? Listen, we at Island Church are positioned perfectly, to be an effective, powerful church in the last of the last days, to pray, to live a holy and sanctified life, and to enter into that which God has called us to do, to see the revival and awakening that we're believing God for, and to see it multiplied over and over again. You've got to make an effort to get into it. You've got to make an effort to stay in it. And you've got to believe God in your own heart to live that sanctified, and holy life. And when you do, listen, you will never regret, never regret. I've not regretted one moment living sanctified and holy because of that which God does in my life. Praise God. We love you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow night. Be sure and minister to people around you. So many hurting, so many fearful, so many afraid. This is our day. This is our hour. We love you and I'll see you tomorrow night. In Jesus' name. of age